Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, February 6, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page six in Bill's story. Today's readers are Madeline R., Katie F., and Irene M. And the share ID for yesterday, uh, which was Tuesday, February 5th, the 7 a.m. meeting, uh, Eastern Time, 12,501. 12501. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time yesterday, 12503. 12503. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. So here's our sole purpose. The fifth tradition of OA says, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Patty F. to read the 12 steps for us. Hi, this is Patty F. in Massachusetts, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Patty F. And now for the 12 traditions, I'm going to ask Irene M. to do that for us. Thank you, Penny, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. 
the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from my primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I thank you and I pass. Thank you so much, Irene E.M. And now here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, please, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify ourselves as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 6 in Bill's story, the second paragraph that begins with the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. And so for for reading that for us, I'm going to call on Madeline R. Good morning, Madeline. Good morning, Penny C. Thanks for your service. This is Madeline R. Recovered in Pennsylvania. Okay, the bottom of page six in Bill's story. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. 
for mine endured this agony two more years. Sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse when the morning terror and madness were on me. Again, I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weakling. There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish, I feared I would burst through my window, sash and all. Somehow I managed to drag my mattress to a lower floor, lest I suddenly leap. A doctor came with a heavy sedative. Next day found me drinking both gin and sedative. This combination sure landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity. So did I. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. Okay, just going to set my timer. The hopelessness, the despair, that's what I read this morning. And the behavior continues for two more years. And the disease that we're reminded of, the disease and the, of the mind and the body, where it says that uh, in the doctor's opinion, the, the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as the mind. It's a twofold disease there, and spiritual part of it, the threefold disease. Just the lengths that we go to to get our fix, that I go to get to my fix, stealing money, stopping at the Mac machine over and over and over for money that was meant to pay bills, stopping at four, three fast food restaurants and a sweet shop on the way home. I needed the fix. I had lost the power of choice. There's nothing else they could do. I did stare into oblivion many times. I hated myself and what was my decision to get the next fix that I needed. I was too cursing myself. Yet I knew if I just had that one more fix, that one more time, if I could just get through this time, everything would be okay. Yep, there were the geographical cures. Maybe if we went to beautiful tropical paradises, Maybe if we went to the country to stay in a cabin. Um, maybe if I thought about doing a better job at work or took on a new project or tried something different, just to be anywhere but with myself. And still, it continued. And then this line, it just brings me to my knees. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish, I feared I would burst through the window, committing suicide again. Just saying, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And yet that stamina, that power of the disease just kept me going. And so, yep, tried everything. Uh, tried every diet in the Star Magazine and everything that I could find. You know, going to the doctor, finding out what the doctors suggested. Yes, my family thought I was crazy. I was either starving, not eating anything for a period of 30 days. My sister would call me telling me, you know what's going to happen to you? Your bones are going to get so brittle that they're going to have to break them as they take you in the emergency room. Anything to scare me. She thought I was crazy. I knew I was crazy. But what could I do? Nothing. All that I needed to do was take that next bite. There were times when I was dangerously thin. There were times when I was so heavy 
that none of my clothes fit and I was breaking out of the poly polyester pants that I wore at the time. They were sewn so much at the top of the legs that my legs actually have welts on them. And what did I do? And that's my time. I just kept looking for that, another, for that other fix, for that next fix, not the next right action. So I want to pass and give uh, everybody an opportunity to share that was my three minutes. We are showing the bottom and getting there. Thank you so much, and I'll pass with that. Thanks for letting me serve. Thank you, Madeline. Uh, and now, before I ask for people who want to share, just a couple of, of, of requests. Uh, we're going to ask for folks who have not shared in the last day or two to come on and share today. And also, please be reminded that our aim is to share on the topic that we've just read, the paragraph that Madeline just read for us. Okay, so with that, who would like to share? Nancy I need a name. Boston. Katie Neff. Ginger C. Okay. Nancy Whose last, last initial was F? Katie. Katie Katie Barbara. F. Barbara. 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 Barbara E. Hold on Ken. just a minute. And uh, after KDF, I had someone I didn't write her name down. Raquel E. Amy G. Amy G. Oh, Ginger C. Ginger C. Barbara P. Anita B. Okay, that's it. All right, Barbara E. Anita B. Okay. Here's the names I have: Nancy P. KDF. Amy G, Ginger C, Barbara E, and Anita B. Okay, good morning, Nancy. Hi, good morning. Um, and good morning to all my fellows. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. Uh, you know, when I think about the day that I first dialed in to vision on 2000, in 2017, on December 1st, 2017, and the way that I am today, it, miraculous is not a good enough word. I mean, I'm I'm completely different. Um, for, if I could just go back for one second to the previous paragraph from yesterday, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning, um, that wasn't the next morning. That was my consistent state of mind, remorse, horror, and hopelessness. And I would add despairing to that. I wasn't just desperate. I was despairing. And there was nothing that I could see in front of me that was going to change that ever until I picked up the phone and called my go-to friend who I always called when I had some horrible life catastrophe. And, um, and she gave me this blessed number and I dialed in and I felt even at over 200 pounds, I felt new and clean and happy and hopeful. And, um, you know, I can't, I, you know, I was brought to my knees violently and I had a life situation that was, to me, insurmountable. And I would add that that situation is alive and well still today, but, um, but I'm so different. And, um, you know, nothing cha shakes this, you know, nothing that comes, you know, and I have con other challenges that are just as, you know, difficult for me as the one that brought me in here. Like life is, my life is full of, challenges i would say i would say you know I'm, i've been feeling over the past 24 hours as though i'm getting a little bit more than my share but um but you know i just slog through and um i try to to the best of my ability 
to work this program, you know, work the steps. And, um, you know, the elevator only goes down. It only goes down. The only thing that goes up are the steps. And, um, you know, I have had many, many, many opportunities in the past almost 50 years since I've been in this program to get it. And I never could get it. I never could until I was finally, you know, do you surrender now, Nancy, you know, um, until I finally surrendered. And, um, and then I got it. And, and, you know, every time I had an opportunity, something catastrophic, and I mean catastrophic, anytime something like that happened, I'm like, oh, I'm absolutely, I'm totally going to work the steps. I'm totally, you know, and I had been through the big book step study process once before and from 2002 to 2005. And I, it didn't take, and I ate for 13 more years. So, you know, today I don't do that anymore. And today, you know, I don't feel the need to burst through my sash. And I'll, want, I'll wrap up with this and say that um, anybody who is thinking that um, they can do it themselves, listen to the people on this line, um, because the elevator only ever goes down, and there's no bottom floor. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Nancy P. And next is KDF, and she'll be followed by Ginger C. KDF? Good morning. This is KDF, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, I want to focus on the same one, the, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony for two more years. And, you know, I came into OA, um, I came briefly when I was uh, 14 years old in 1975. I came back in 1981 and thought that I was really working the program for six years, um, well, for five years, and then I started um, really binging again and eating everything in sight. And that, um, how bad those, that year was before I got the abstinence that I have today, which dates to October 7th, 1987, um, I cannot get that out of my mind. And I think that that is my saving grace because obviously at 27 years old, approaching 200 pounds um, on a five foot three frame, it could have gotten a lot worse. Like that sounded, that felt and sounded horrible at the time for me, but you know, it sounds like, you know, just the beginning compared to what I hear on these lines, but I remember exactly what it was like. And I remember that I wanted to drive off the road. Um, that was my jumping, you know, through the window, sash and all. Mine was wanting to, like, just veer to the left and hit the, um, you know, the cement barriers on the highway when they have construction going on. You know, but I was, I was too chicken to do that. I didn't want to hurt someone else, and I didn't want to hurt my family. You know, thank goodness I wasn't completely insane. But... Um, I know that that's what's waiting for me. I remember exactly what I used to eat. I remember how it felt. And I think that saves my life today. I can't say, how was that? What was that like again? Maybe it wasn't so bad. Because that's what I thought in those first five years. I got further and further away from the reality of how bad this disease is. And I thought it wasn't that bad and I could control it this time. That's where my thinking got to. It got back to that insane idea that it's not that bad, and I'll show you how I can do this thing. I can eat just a little bit of um, binge foods and stop. And I'm telling you, I can't. I can't. And I have to be completely honest about what are my binge foods. I have the basics, but I have other things too that maybe other people can eat with impunity, and I cannot. 
And even after decades of recovery, I don't introduce those foods back into my food plant. I have no interest in them because I have neutrality with food, which only comes from working these steps. I don't have this neutrality with food because I did the steps 25 years ago or even five years ago. I work them every day. I work with a sponsor every day. I commit my food every day, just like a newcomer. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, KDF. And now, Ginger C. Welcome. Hi, Penny. Thank you, and uh, good morning to everyone. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Wow, you know, Bill just shows our addiction so clearly, and I could not relate to his story at all with my alcoholism and my drinking, and I relate every word with my food addiction and my sugar and this progression, yeah, it only gets worse, never better. And then the physical and mental torture was so hellish. And that's exactly what these beautiful bites do. They take you to a place of hell because hopefully they wake you up to the reality that you're dealing with a life and death situation. And this is urgent. And that's exactly what happened for me, from every beautiful bite that I had to take, because one less bite, and I may not have conceded like I needed to, I had to get that heart into place. And I had to be convinced that food was serious. And it took me to a place where I truly felt drunk on food. I was an alcoholic 24 years sober in AA, and I thought I had a bottle of vodka in my nightstand, and they were only lemon heads, a sugary candy. So again, I'm so grateful that I finally got there because if I don't concede in that way, I will never get there. I always kept it as an option. I would always give it an excuse. Well, Ginger, at least it's not alcohol. At least you're not driving your kids around drunk and getting DUIs. It's okay. I gave it permission. And life would press in and press on like it does because we're here to grow with God, and I needed it in effect. And that bite always entered my mouth. So again, thank God for that pain. But I also, if you know you haven't gotten this yet, can today's pain be enough? Because I only took my food down to this low level. That's why I have such a compassion for food and for overeaters. I have other addictions, and I got off early on that elevator, and I have remained sober in those rooms. We have to work it just like that desperate and dying person, but I think today's pain can be enough, and I hope it is because the progression is really scary, and I'm just grateful to be alive and sharing a message of hope today because of the grace of God and because I asked God for help. I need help every day. I'm powerless every day in every area of my life, and the only thing that's going to keep me from eating is that power between me and that bite. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Barbara E., it's your turn. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be on today and listening to everyone's wonderful shares. I can speak from my heart. A compulsive overeating, a binging way of life 
is not a happy life. It cut me off from people and from the world. And no matter how much I love people, I built up that wall between me and them. As a result, I was lonely. Countless vain attempts to get my eating under control. I didn't want to stop eating the way I was eating. I just didn't want the effects. I was stealing money from my husband's pocket, stealing money from my children, hiding money, stopping on the way to work to get food, stopping on the way home to get food, hiding food in the closet, under the bed, wrapping it up in tin foil and putting it in a Ziploc bag when I didn't want to eat it and throwing it away hygienically clean so I could go back and get it from the garbage when I changed my mind. The five-second rule on the floor became a 10-second rule on the floor. I had high hopes that each new diet I tried would be the magic bullet that would save me, but nothing could do it. My mom despaired. She was sure I was killing myself. My husband wisely said nothing because he did not know how I would react. I was an awful role model for my children. They're now grown and in their 40s, and they're both morbidly obese. I feel like I gave them that gift that no one wants at Christmas, a pair of really ugly socks. I don't know if you remember the childhood story called The Red Balloon. I feel like it mirrors my life and my addiction. In the boy, a little boy, walks through Paris proudly watching as his beloved big bright red balloon floats over Paris, his higher power, my higher power. Paris is gorgeous but bleak, like my life. A bully's well-aimed rock hits the balloon, causes its smooth surface to pucker, hideously, and it falls to the ground before his eyes. That's what my disease did to me. Like a rock, it took careful aim at my life, and I too shriveled and smashed to the ground. And my disease truly wants me dead or suffering in the worst possible agony. And it mutates constantly. It even convinces me that the whole thing was my idea. I had to find something more than just abstinence. I needed abstinence for sure, but I had to find a higher power that would save me. And like in the story, all the balloons all over Paris come to him, come to Pascal, and lift him up into the sky and take him on a trip through around the world. My higher power that we'll be talking about for me, perfect. Thank you so much. I pass gratefully. Thank you, Barbara E. And now Anita B. And she'll be followed by Amy G. Bob, I mean Anita B. Thanks. Uh, good morning, everyone. Anita B. From New Jersey, uh, recovering. Um, a couple of things. I was listening and saying, what is the direction I'm supposed to get from this today? Uh, one of the things was that the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. And I thank God for that because, you know, I can believe exactly everything that's said in this book. And it's telling me, look what his body 
and mind dealt with and still was able to recovery to recover that is such hope for me just such hope and the other thing is is he is telling me that eventually no matter what because uh, it took me a long time to realize what I have um I feel like I'm one of those people who didn't hit that bottom who didn't want to jump out the window who had to move their mattress but yet I can identify as an overeater and you know he's giving me a warning he's telling me it's going to happen if I don't change if I don't look honestly at my food even though I think I didn't stop at four fast food restaurants and a sweet shop on the way home even if I didn't uh take food out of the trash there were other behaviors that I have that show me over and over again that I am a compulsive overeater and if I don't keep working this program and if I don't keep taking direction I might end up at the window thinking about jumping out and so um I don't like to share I is part of my defects you know that perfectionism but I know that I need to in order to recover so I don't I don't mean to offend anybody if I'm not where they were I just need to tell my truth and I'm very grateful that I'm able to so thank you so much for being there and letting me share that Thank you Anita B Amy G Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. Thank you for meeting. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Wow, to think that he went through two more years of this. I mean, we've been going through a couple of paragraphs of some really hellish torture of alcoholism. And, and, I, and I, I used to have a friend in the meetings that would say, you know, this disease wants you dead, D-E-A-D, dead. And I'm thinking, as the other share had said, that this disease doesn't want me dead. It wants to keep me alive as long as possible so that it can make me suffer for as long as possible. And I know for me as a real compulsive overeater that that is certainly can be the case. We can be in and out uh, with compulsive overeating for decades, a lot longer, and suffer emotionally, physically, and spiritually for as long as we are alive and active in this disease. And I know that to be the case for me. And I think the scarier part is, is we have a couple more years here of Bill really trying and wanting to stop. We are not knowing that he was dealing with a physical allergy that was beyond his ability to control, as well as this mental obsession. It talks about it in the AA 12 and 12 that we have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive eating or drinking that only an act of providence, an act of God, can relieve us. And, and, and for me, that was the same for me. I spent years in hellish torture trying to stop, trying to use my willpower, and then five years in OA, trying to use my knowledge and my willpower. I was certainly willing to admit powerlessness, but I didn't understand the twofold nature of this disease and what I was dealing with. And clearly, this is the same for Bill here. He's showing us true powerlessness. It talks about it on page uh, 25. If you are as seriously alcoholic or compulsive overeating as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We are in a position where life is becoming impossible. We pass into the region from which there is return, no return from human aid. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, 
and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and we were willing to make the effort. I remember that in that give up phase, I call it. I just, I didn't care anymore. I tried, I tried, I tried. It didn't work. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do? I'm just going to try to survive. And it's hell. It was hell. Particularly as a binger and a purger, where binges could go on for days, days and days. And I'm so grateful to this program because here we are, folks, today, sitting on a line, sitting on a phone, listening to a solution. I am powerless, but by the grace of God in this program in these 12 steps, I am not helpless. I have choices now. I can choose to surrender, and I can choose to work this program. That choice comes from me and me alone. I am powerless. I am not helpless. We have a solution. It is here. It is through the 12 steps. Join us. The torture can stop whenever we make that choice. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And now for anyone who may have joined us a little late, we're reading on page six in Bill's story, one paragraph, the one that begins with the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. And thank you for the people who shared for staying on topic and a reminder also that we're inviting people who haven't shared in the last day or two. So who else would like to share now? Can we stop and just start again, please? Miriam Ross J. R. Ross M. Ross M. Leslie. Ross L. Matt M. Leslie W. Zavara S. Hold on. I don't know if you heard me, Raquel. I did, Raquel. I'm writing your name right as we speak. Thank you, thank you. I have Miriam, Russ, Raquel, Devora. Who else, please? Ra- Ra- Raz, Did Ra- I hear Raz? M. Madam. Christina oh, L. Yeah. Okay. I got Russ M. Madam. Irini. Yes, thank you. Okay, um, I have Russ, Raquel, Devorah, Matt, Arini, and one more. Kelly. Leslie. Kelly. Okay. Kelly, yes? Yes. Okay, thank you so much. I do my best, and I just trust God that I'm hearing the people who, you know, need to speak. Okay, so let's go with this. Miriam, Russ M., Raquel E., Devorah S., Matt M., Arini S., Miriam, your turn. Okay. Thanks, Penny. Thanks for your service. This is Miriam J. Uh, in the Boston area, a long-time listener, first-time sharing. Um, this paragraph and the previous shares just really, really moved me this morning. I do remember my very last um, binge, and that sentence, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured the agony two more years. Um, I, I, I went on a binge, and I ate and ate, and I felt so sick, and I ate, and I felt sicker, and I, I, and I had to finish everything that was in the box, and I, I thought I would explode. I was so full, and 
you know, and I'm a person who cares about how I look and and my body was grossly misshapen from everything I was eating and um and I'd like to tell you that that was the last time I ate compulsively. It's not. It was the last major binge I had. But I can feel this morning the pain that Bill was in. Um, this disease brought me to my knees. It brought me to my knees. And until I was really, and this is after years and years in OA, um, until I was really ready to surrender and surrender surrender not surrender i'll go to a couple of meetings and i'll write a little and i'll get a sponsor but really surrender the food and begin this journey in the big book for real i was stuck i could not stop and um and this morning that that came back to me very powerfully as we read and shared and with that i'll pass thank you thank you miriam good to hear from a first time caller and next we have Nancy, no, excuse me, Russ M. Good morning, Fanny. Russ M., Recover Compulsive Reader. Good morning, family. So the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. See, my mind was never right, ever, throughout my whole life. But, you know, when, when this, the, when the disease took over on me, you know, it was 10 years for me, 10 years after I talked to my Ebby. My mind had me so screwed up that I couldn't just deal with life. I was such a big baby, right? And I couldn't get my way. So I went to the food. That was my hit. That was my hit, right? Right? My mind made me steal my kids' communion money. I stole their money. And then I think, like, ah, it was just a I'll pay them back through the business. And then I think, like, I didn't steal from my family, but I did steal from my family because I built my business out of 30 grand. $30,000 in food that I'm paying back right now. My, I was never right. And yes, I thought about killing myself. Let's be, look, I'm not going to say to the bitter end. No, I wanted to off myself. I did. But I was afraid I would screw that up. I was afraid I'd make another mistake. I was such a mess. And then finally, like, you know, someone says, every bite. Those last bites, man, were the best. The last bites were the ones that drove me insane to the point where I had nothing else except this program. And because I had this program, now I have God. And now my dependence is on God because of this program. And guess what? No matter what, I ain't going anywhere. I can't go anywhere. I don't want to go back to that. I'll be dead. I'll be dead. I'll be killing myself for sure over about 40 or 50 years, which is misery. And, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm so close to, to Bill, you know. I, I guess we all are, you know. I'm not trying to single myself out. I so identify with this man. But, you know, through this story, we see what God does. And, you know, no one's beyond reach. Even, even this little Sicilian guy from the east end of Norristown outside of Philly, that was a mess. So... Thank you. I love you guys. You have a wonderful day. Thanks for just giving me an opportunity. Thank you, Rassam. Raquel E. Raquel? 
Hello. Hi, sweet Penny. I can hear you. Go ahead. How are you? And hi to all my dearest friends there. Wow, what a paragraph. And I'll try to stay with it. Um, just uh, my my listening was uh, disrupted by some by an important call that has to do with us and with the paragraph. In the city of I'll have I'll have to go and talk in city hall on Monday. How this thing fell on me is that we have a, a little section of a JCC that was given to us um, for groups of self-help, all kinds of groups, all kinds of diseases, from codependence to, uh, to uh, sex addiction and overeaters and alcoholics, and now they want to close the house. And I was just innocently standing outside and talking to two newcomers, two newcomers, uh, who offered me popcorn? They didn't understand anything yet, and um, the the secretary of the place overheard me explaining what what we have, and she she approached me and asked me to come to the uh, to the city hall because they want to close the house. So I guess I have to sit down when the meeting is over and translate the whole thing. Every one of you, watch out, because everything that is said here is so so true, and for me. Coming from a little bit different culture and different background, I'm 78. I don't know how many here are Holocaust survivors, but I was born in the middle of the war, 1941. And I said already before what my cereal was, dry bread with mildew cooked in water. And and then after that, for many, many years, there wasn't that, that much to eat. There was bread. But when I came to America in 1965 and I discovered food, woohoo, did I go to town. I would take pictures of the bags that I bought, the, the shopping, and I really went into it. But uh, years it took. In '79, I already got into program, and all along until 2010, I lost and gained uh, uh, 30 kilo, which is like 70 pounds, uh, close to 70 pounds, I think, uh, 10 times. But when uh, when uh, Vision for You in the shape of coffee shop first and then Vision for You came on, I was I was in bed in diapers. I was incontinent. And uh, you've seen me at conventions. You know, the, the amazing thing that God did for me, he saved my life a few times. But this with the food, you know, I can never forget the tremendous despair in 1989 when I finally went to a treatment center and then alcoholics were running it and gave they gave us the business and i came out of there and as bill says the goose hung high the goose hung high for two years and then again and again ten times all this and now it's it's ten years a month and 27 days and i don't believe it you know and the doctor told me that i can list in the in the Israeli army, in the top uh, security, top whatever units, because I don't take any medication, all the antidepressants from 38 years. And Bill, with his despair, I was there. I'll wrap up. I was there, and I was there several times, but I had four kids on my back, and it was swim or sink in beautiful America with no financial support of any kind. And God saw me through this. So now he's trying to see me through such back pain that uh, they want to give me cannabis. You're all invited who wants to share with me. I'm just kidding. Be well, everybody. I love you all. 
and have a wonderful recovery, everybody. I pass. Thank you very much, Raquel. And now Devorah S. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Penny, and everyone on this line that makes this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And that line, everybody sharing it, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. Um, you know, I didn't know how sick my mind was until I learned here in program that you know, it all it all comes from me, my mind. You know, my mind tells me things that I act on. It. So, you know, it, it, it was incredible because all the years that I went to all these places to help me with this food thing, to help me lose weight, you know, everybody just told me, you know, get down, lose the weight, follow this, this, this diet, and then you could and then you'll be okay. Then you could eat this, a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. And I believe them. Why not? Why shouldn't I believe them? Um, but, you know, it doesn't work for a person like me, you know, because a little bit of this and a little of that, my mind tells me why it just takes the whole thing. And, you know, and, and today, too, you know, I have to retrain my mind. And it's only through these, only through this information and working the steps, you know, in these clear-cut directions that I can have a transformation in my thinking. Um, and, you know, it takes work every day. You know, every day I work, every, every, my thinking from yesterday, is, I, can't, I can't rely on my thinking from yesterday. You know, each day I wake up um, and I got to, to align myself up again with who I am that, you know, and, and I have to work the program like I worked it yesterday, you know, keeping my food down. I can't think, well, yesterday it was okay for me then, so today maybe I can just, you know, be a little wishy-washy, uh-uh, you know, I got to keep it, you know, clear, um, you know, on the straight and narrow and reconnect myself with God, with my higher power and have him direct me and show me what he wants for me, you know, because otherwise my mind tells me, you know, you know, I, you know, self will run right. I could just do whatever I want. And, and, you know, my mind can tell me very easily that I don't have this disease, that it's so easy I'm cured and I could just go on my merry way and I don't need to be here anymore. But I need to know in my innermost self of who I am today, and I can't let my mind direct me. Um, I have to be diligent in, in my spiritual work with reconnecting with God every day, showing up here in the morning, hearing from you, and, and, and working these steps every single day. Um, my, you know, I've heard in program, I'm, you know, my mind is a terrible place to go and it's a bad neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but I have to, um, you know, I have to keep it clean with my daily activities. Um, and, and, and what is that, you know, seeking God's will, um, asking him, asking him to direct me, direct, divorce my thinking. You know, I have, the book says, you know, I got to. You know, ask God to direct my thinking and divorce it from self-seeking, dishonesty, selfish motives. You know, this is this is all about you know knowing um, you know let, not letting my thinking thinking take over. Um, it's so so easy to fall into that, and that's where I was all the years. Um, and that's why you know when something comes up, I need to discuss it so that I don't get into the dishonesty, the lies that my mind can tell me, and that I can live in the truth today. And I'm really grateful to um, to be here and to learn from all of you. And uh, 
together we can another day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Devorah S. Matt, it's your turn. Matt M. Thank you very much for your service, honey. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Nana with a post over Eater from New Jersey. I just wanted to share quickly that, you know, um, I know what it's like to be down and out into this disease. You know, I know what it's like to have the spiraling out of control and uh, to get up to 600, over 600 pounds and to be just as irritable and discontented with the rest of the world, hating the world, hating myself, just wanting to die a slow, uh, dying a slow, painful death, locked away in my room or locked away in my trailer, waiting for the rest of the, waiting for the, rest of the world to pass me by. And uh, it's a very listless existence, you know. So this is definitely the worst of the worst. It's descent into alcoholism and uh, just like my descent into compulsive overeating. And uh, I never want to go back to that. I want to keep moving forward. I want to move forward as I go every day into recovery and stay there and uh, help others because, you know, this this is not a nice place. It wasn't a nice, it wasn't a nice place to be when I was there. And um, it's my job now to go out and help others to reach out to still suffer compulsive overeating and help them as I've been helped with all the other people. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Arini M. Thank you so much for your service, Penny. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered by the grace of God. Thank you, God. You know, I don't know what it's like to drink, but I do know what it's like to to eat compulsively. And I can certainly identify with the pain of riding my own emotional roller coaster. I can identify with the physical cravings for wanting more of the same. I can identify the need to search for something that can relieve me from feeling discomfort and empty within. I can mostly identify from the torture of being a prisoner of my own thoughts. I can identify with feeling completely hopeless and spiritually dead. I can identify standing in front of an open window from sleepwalking and leaning halfway out. I can identify with the same feelings described on page 151, the terror, bewildered, frustration, and despair. I, too, felt trapped by my voices in my head and nowhere to go but to turn to the food to get some kind of relief from feeling restless, irritated, and discontent, but it didn't last and it wasn't enough for me. I was living in isolation, separated and disconnected. I was a prisoner of my thoughts, living in a cycle of repeated old patterns of rage, depression, frustration, and running to the food again and again to save me, but it only did the opposite. It, you know, I kept on going deeper into my disease because it had a hold on me, until one day I couldn't take it anymore. I had to do something different in order to be different. I had to let go of what was killing me and grab onto something that would save me from me, and that would set me free from the bondage of self. I had to be willing to be honest and to let go and surrender, and this is step one. Then I was available to grab onto a power that would make me powerful by being connected to a greater power. I was living in my problem, and only by the grace of God, I am living in the solution, and that is being God-centered, living happy, joyous, and free. For he did for me what I could never do for myself. Thank you, God. 
always giving credit where credit is due. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Irini. And Kelly S.? Hey, Penny, it's Kelly S., uh, Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Oklahoma. <clears throat> Kelly with an EY. Anyway, um, yeah, so the mind and body are mar- marvelous mechanisms. Um, so you guys know my story. I've been around here for 36 years and approaching four years of recovered abstinence. So, um, and you know, what's scary is and we've all talked about this, the disease, the progression. You know, Bill at the beginning was judging people, which I've done um, for committing suicide. And then as his story progressed, of course, you know, now he's he's thinking about it. And I've done the same thing in my disease over this course of um, 36 years in the program, right? So judging people who, who had gained so much weight, you know, I've been, and I've been 125 pounds overweight, of course. Um, been 20 pounds underweight, you know, judging people who are eating out of the trash can. Well, guess what? You go out there, I ate out of the trash can. So what I've learned is my disease has no top weight and no emotional bottom. It just keeps getting worse, you know, and it was the fear and the hopelessness that drove me to my knees. And when we read Bill's story, you know, what I think about is I so relate to everything he feels and thinks and all that. And for years in program, I'd always hear that, you know, it's not for people who need it, it's for people who want it. It's not for people who need it, it's for people who want it. And when I came into vision, I heard you guys say for the first time, it's not for people who need it or want it, it's for people who do it. And so where are we in Bill's story? You know, Bill is to that place now where I was for years. You know, at the beginning, he um, he couldn't admit he needed it, okay? So finally he admitted he needed it. That's me, okay? I need to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he finally wants it, you know, and you want it. And that actually was the place I think that brought me to that place of desperation because I wanted it so bad that, you know what, he didn't know about this program. I didn't know. What did I, well, I've been around here. I've been in OA forever, right? I didn't understand the doctor's opinion. I didn't understand the physical allergy the importance of putting the food down 100%. I didn't understand the mental obsession. And I didn't know there were instructions in this big book. I had a million of them, but it's really laid out here, right? So Bill didn't know what he didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so as we've heard, you know, I had to start, it wasn't for those who need it or want it, I had to start doing it. So Bill hadn't got to that place yet. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. I'm just so grateful I listened to you guys and finally had an open mind with a set aside prayer, thank you, God, and started listening and started doing it because I wanted it so bad and I try over and over. And like Bill, you know, it was that fear and hopelessness waking up every day feeling like, oh my God, it's another day. I just don't even want to live anymore. You know, it wasn't about the food anymore. It wasn't about my weight anymore. It was about the, the, the fear of what is the point of life. I cannot continue living like this. What do I have to do? Maybe I could actually listen to the people in these rooms and start following instructions and work the program. And I'll wrap up with this. And guess what, you guys? If you do it, follow the instructions. Turn to your higher power. It works. Grateful, grateful today. That I pass. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Kelly S. And Kelly, you're going to be the last Shia for today. Thank you, everyone who joined us today, and especially those who shared and those who read. And now I'm going to, uh, oh, the let me tell you, the, the share ID for today is 12506, 12,506. And now I'm going to ask Katie F. to read from A Vision for You on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.